I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a, a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code FIRST. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it's the listener mailbag episode and a little extra. So let's bring in the team from my top left. Let's start with Mark Immelman. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good, Rick. I'm envious of your hat. All's good here in Georgia. We are open for business, and yes, I saw the <laughs> I saw the best sign today. It goes, "We're open, y'all," and that was just <laughs> it was so perfectly Georgia. I was like, "Yeah, let's let, let's get busy." That so is golf very... is happening. Weather's nice, and everything's good down here. That is very on brand. Uh, let's go over to Greg Ducharme. Hey, Greg. Hey, we are still not open. <laughs> uh, much of the same. So definitely a little envious of of Mark there. Also, Mark, lo- loving the background. That's looking good up there. Everybody's looking good. I'm excited. Yeah, we. Uh, I don't know how long it's been. Maybe a week since we all got together. But uh, let's bring in the final member of the team here, KP, Kyle Porter. How's it going? I'm good. Uh, y'all, I think is I think that's our thing, Mark. I don't think that's your thing. I Georgia think happened Texas before thing. Texas bus. Georgia was a was a one of the original thirteen states of the union. You can stop right there. <laughs> I, I passed my citizenship test, bro. <laughs> bro, okay. was it really? Was it really it one really of the first was. thirteen? Uh, it it was. can't be right. I thought like no. Was the Google. Most Come on. All right. Go check the Google. That yeah. Get ja- Jacob. <laughs> get pro- producer Jacob will look that up. There is. Did you I, read that? I believe it was first Thank thirteen you. colonies. Are we talking was. about? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> As someone who, who hails from the uh, neighboring state of South Carolina, I believe we learned okay. the original okay. thirteen colony as well. Yeah, I'm out. Mike dropped better. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would have lost a lot of money on that. I always wonder this. Like, I think I'm pretty good with some of this stuff. Obviously, outside the 13 colonies, but like, could we pass the citizenship test in like our like how many American citizens could even pass that test? Very like, hard. A lot. It was hard. Mark, how, could 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 the three of us pass that test? Uh, Together. <laughs> well, yes. Some of the questions I got. He asked, who were my two state senators? Wow. And then, then he asked, who was the chief justice of the Supreme Court? You know who that sure. is? Roberts. Tiger? John Roberts. Tiger, Tiger. Woods. Jordan Spieth. <laughs> Jordan Spieth. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. You, you have to study for it. Wow. That's, uh, maybe we could, we, could, we could play a scramble and get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pair us up. Uh, all right, so back, so, so back to the thing at hand. Yeah, I will contend that the y'all y'all belongs to Georgia. Thank you. 
and he's kind of got us. Carolina. <clears throat> and it was uh, it was one of the original thirteen colonies, Kyle. <laughs> so I think we're beat there. Checkmate. We kind of are. uh all right gentlemen let's start with this before we jump into the mailbag because we have wild speculation about some potential golf that might be coming down the pike here now rumors swirling about a possible skins game with ricky fowler and matt wolf versus rory mcelroy and dustin johnson greg initial reaction to hearing this is a possible game that we might be seeing soon Number of things to get into here. One, who chose the teams? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, two, it'll be interesting to see if this happens and these are the teams and this is the format. Who actually went? It's some sometimes it, it's it's different. The guys you would expect to do really well don't, and and the difference between oh, Matthew Wolf in a format like this may not be as noticeable as it is in a seventy-two hole tournament with pride, prestige. Uh, and dollars on the line so i'll be interested to see i just i don't understand i don't i don't get the teams the teams are the thing that my my first thought is how did this happen how did this come together and my second a two-man uh a team skins game i think is an interesting for me uh and i'm first reaction i'm not a big fan i think it's a little bit strange to be honest but at this point Man, I'll watch anything. It sounds like a tailor-made marketing executive shows the teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sir. Well, it's there's a, an Oklahoma State is. connection there for you. I mean, the one combination. Yeah, there's a shared... That's uh, a good point. That's a good point. Also a shared agency. They have the same agent, I believe, Matt Wolf and, and uh, Ricky Fowler. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Rory and DJ do not. So, yeah, it, it had to be a tailor-made thing. I'm curious about, for one of you guys, maybe Rick... Uh, just what the line on something like this would be and i that probably the skins thing probably throws it off but whatever it is i'm taking the whoever's like the the like not the favorite yeah. team i mean rory and dj are, are probably clearly the favorite here rory the by far the number one player in the world dj always seems to be on the cusp of, cusp of it even though maybe the last six months of his of his uh you know last six months haven't been great but uh, yeah yeah they're probably what minus 250 which means they win it like 65 or 70 percent of the time kyle something like that i would i would take the osu squad um, i had big shocker big shocker there yeah you dressed in orange and black go go, go on um, i have one question here who is the best couples the team i'm gonna be off that's couple <laughs> combination team duo whatever so it'd be i mean you could you could go rory and mark immelman and it would be the best <laughs> probably true. Uh, the, the thing that the i'd be a couple with him the mm. thing that the fowler wolf side have going for them though is they own sets so wolf you know elite off the tee if you want to talk in terms of strokes gained i mean rory and dj kind of do everything pretty well but like thing like this because they could you know, if Ricky's Ricky's putter gets hot for eight or nine holes, they could they could do some damage here. Well, I'm, go go ahead, Kyle. Sorry, my my least favorite. By the way, you you just reminded me of this, Rick. My least favorite PGA Tour narrative is DJ not being able to putt. He's a really good putter. Yeah, he. I think last year he was. Let's see. Uh, last year he was seventy fourth in putting. The year before that, he was twentieth on the PGA Tour. Year before that, he was top hundred. He's turned he's turned himself into. Year before that, he was top forty. If you're, I mean, if you're DJ and you're a top forty putter, you're gonna win. F- freaking and 
I, I've just I've been really impressed with the the specific ways in which he's improved his game. This is not we're, we don't need to be talking about DJ, but he's a good putter. They all, yeah, that's the one thing I know for certain about the PGA Tour. If you're on the tour, you're good at your craft. Now, in com- comparison to any metric thing, you come across as a poor putter, but there isn't a poor putter. To me, a lot well, of it but is... I, but I'm not, I'm not comparing them to me. I'm comparing them to... <laughs> no, but, but yes, of the, course. Yes, the thing. It, it's, the, the, there's an, and that's what the one thing Dustin Johnson does do well. When he's in contention, he makes putts. You, you know, they are. And then when the heat gets ratcheted up, then they don't putt as well. And, and, and the metrics can be a little in contention. He makes the putts that mean something, as far as I'm concerned. There was an, an alleged story that we were going to get from uh, from Mark Brody, a, um, a strokes gain metric that had to do with just what you were mentioning there, Mark. And this was, it must have been last year where it kind of came out. I think it's in the works. And I think at some point we're going to have a metric where it, it's not necessarily strokes gained under pressure, but something comparable to that. And I think that would be really enlightening. You look at a player like Ricky Fowler, and I, I'm not saying this happens every time, but there are a lot of times where under the heat of the moment in some of these bigger tournaments, that putter goes cold at the wrong time. So um, we, we've seen it happen with Rory. We've seen, I mean, it happens with everybody, but I think it'd be interesting to see a statistic like that. Um, and, and it would give you a much better indication of who really is a good putter when, when the chips are down on the table. Okay, let's lobby for a name for this uh, category. We'll call it Strokes Lost Sphincter tightening. <laughs> That's definitely the leader in the clubhouse. That's, right here. Okay. We'll use that for sure. I go with strokes gained clutch as opposed to what is it? Like strokes lost sphincter tightening. <laughs> a little bit of a mouthful, I think. <laughs> um, that's actually pretty interesting. So, okay, so how would we how would we define this? Okay, so Greg, if you're let's 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 dive deeper. Is this what putts inside like a putt you should make on a Sunday? So what like inside eight feet when you're within X number of the lead? Like how do, how are we defining this? Look, this is something. Uh, if I knew the answer to, I'd probably make <laughs> a lot more money, and I, I'd probably only be a frequent a, a guest here because I like you guys every once in a while. Hey, this is not my job. <laughs> my what I what I like to do. <laughs> he's, tr- he's trying to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not trying to get out of here. I'm just saying, if I was Mark Brody, I, I'd be, I'd be busy in the numbers here. And and he's a guy that comes up with these kind of things. So uh, my job is to look at the numbers and the ranks between players and call someone like Dustin Johnson, not that great of a putter, even though he's 25th on the PGA tour or 47th on the PGA tour. My job is to call that a weakness. And uh, for a Mark Brody, I, I just think when we have something that goes a little bit deeper into this and yeah, it's back nine on Sunday with, uh, putts inside of 10 feet. It, it's probably calculated the same way. It just puts a time element to it. A putt uh, from eight feet on Friday afternoon when you're trying to make the cut is not the same putt as it is on Thursday morning when you're just getting your round going. That, that same putt on Sunday is a completely different putt as far as difficulty than it is on Saturday. And there are some players that excel in those moments and there are some that don't. So uh, I, I would love to see that kind of in a statistic. Rick, I think you would be a little bit better suited to to come up with how that would work than me. Well, I think you could use whatever a player's baseline putting stats are and then just divvy it up by day. The problem is I don't know that you could get to – the reason strokes game putting works is because there's so many rounds. Because if you look at one round, it's nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. So I don't know that you can necessarily – somebody like, I don't know, Tiger who doesn't play – 
very often. If you could get to enough rounds on a Thursday or on a Saturday or whatever to measure against your your baseline putting for a, for a season, but that to me that would be, I think that would be really interesting because what I mean we go to scoring average on different days, right? Like if you look at Ricky Fowler's scoring average a couple of years ago, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, great. Sunday, awful. And so you're like, well, what's going on there? Last year, Spieth, great. Thursday, Friday horrendous on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, we've seen it with Rory too. So I think I think if you if you were able to do that with putting, I think that would be I think that would be super interesting. Give, that'll give me a project over the next couple of weeks before golf comes back. <laughs> um, but let's all right, let's put a bow on this. So the the proposed speculated date that we have is May 17th, so we're a couple weeks out. Uh in Florida, Mark Admiral's Cove in Jupiter. I don't know anything about this track. I'm not sure if you do, but this seems to be probably a lot around the proximity of where these guys probably are stationed right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. To be truthful, I don't know anything about Admiral's Cove, but they've got some fantastic golf courses down there. Sure. And they're all in a very narrow tract of land. And the one thing about those courses, um, they typically run like in opposite directions to each other because of the narrow area of land between the highways and the coastline. So you get some wicked crosswinds over there. You get the wind off the sea out of the east, and then if some weather rolls in, it comes out the west. So typically, and this gets to one of the questions we'll have later, you've got to hit the ball flush to play well at these golf courses down there because if you're hitting something weak up against those crosswinds, you'll get eaten up. So I'm sure it's a great golf course. I'm sure it's sort of friendly for a format like this, allow birdies and such. So I'm sure it'll be great entertainment. That was a great segue uh, because we will get to those questions and we will get to them on the other side because right now we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back, gentlemen. We are going out to the mailbox. We're opening it up. We're seeing what's in there. Uh, we've got some questions that have come in from Twitter, from iTunes, from all over the place, and we're go going to go through them. Now, this first one here, I've got to understand this one. This one comes from Bracket Bracketologist3 on iTunes, and I believe it says, if the First Cut podcast did a 72-hole event, who would win? Now, Bracketologist, he mentions a couple of obvious names. Greg is an obvious name. Mark is an obvious name, and <laughs> Bracketologist thinks that Producer Jacob could be a dark horse. Now, I will tell you, do not take offense to this, Producer Jacob, but I've seen Producer Jacob play. I don't think he's necessarily a dark horse in this. Uh, Greg, are you the favorite to win a 72-hole golf match between us? 
Uh, well, if we're playing it now, I'll give you some <laughs> realistic analysis. If we're playing it right now and it goes anything like the rounds I've been playing in my head, then yeah, I'm the favorite. <laughs> I could probably replace Matt <laughs> in that match and win. <laughs> I have a funny feeling when I get an actual club in my hand, I might get a different result. So uh, I, I have, I'm a little rusty. I got to shake it off, but you know, the imagination's working. I'm, I'm playing great in my mind. So yeah, I'm going to, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm the favorite. Mark, do you have anything to say to Greg being the favorite in this event? I'm I'm good with that because all I do is play in my mind. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> you know, I think I played four rounds of golf last year, maybe five. I, I've played two this year, so I'm ahead of the curve. So I, I'm 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 likely run. So I wouldn't be backing me very much. Okay. Although gonna... I can I, I can make putts and wedge when I need to. So that's that, that's that, handy. That, that's a that's a it's a plus in my column. That's a good skill to have. I'm going to bring in producer Jacob here. Producer Jacob, do, do you want to just let everyone know that you are not a dark horse in this event? Uh, I have an app that tracks some of my statistics. <laughs> I'm, looking out, I'm looking now, and it's granted it's been a while since I played, but my 21% greens in regulation, yeah. 88.4 scoring average. I don't think I'm beating Greg. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't I think see so. this guy on the swing simulator going at uh, 17 at Sawgrass. I mean, I just can't. I can't compete with that. Oh, man. Well, that's you, only one swig with a you, you, you and I can uh, battle for, for last place. And Kyle, actually, bracketologist, little, little shots fired on this. He yeah. actually Multi thought, Multiple levels. Yeah, he thought, he, he, he made this very vivid. You know, he thinks you can go out and play well the first two days, and then in a very Jordan Spieth-esque fashion, his words, not mine, <laughs> you shank one OB on the first hole of day three, and it's all downhill from there. I'm just going to let you defend yourself on this one. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that I can, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> too, too accurate. <laughs> a, I haven't played in like seven months. B, uh, Jordan Spieth's ranked 203 on the PGA Tour and strokes gained off the tee. So he probably is – it's probably not an inaccurate statement to kind of lay out what this guy laid out or this woman, whoever it is. Um. But I, I, yeah, I mean, it might be a, it might be a Burkdale situation where I'm over by the, I'm over by the equipment trucks and I'm just hollering at, at my caddy. I don't know. I don't know why I would have a caddy, but I'm just <laughs> hollering at my caddy to, to give me a round number and get out of the way. And, uh, I, I, I will, I will confess. I have some, um, I, I have some real, uh, mental issues whenever I, whenever I start playing well. Because I'll go out and I did this at, um, oh, I did it at, so we played Oakmont the day after the 16 US Open, the day after DJ won. And we go out to play and, and we're like, okay, let's play from the, from the Sunday uh, tees, from the, from the tees that they played from. And uh, the, the guy that's the pro there is like, I don't know, it seems like a bad idea, whatever. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, he didn't say that his face said that. Um, and so, and so we get out there and I just, I just murder my first drive, just right up the right side of the fairway. I have a birdie putt on the first hole at Oakmont and I'm, I, I make, I end up making par. I'm like, I'm probably going to shoot like 74 from the tips at Oakmont the day after the U S open. I think I shot 74 on the first 11 holes. And, uh, so yeah, once I, once I start playing well, it just, it, it goes badly from there. You might have to get you a sport, uh, psychologist in there. So yeah, you, start I, playing I well, you keep the pedal down. Yeah. We'll, yeah, to, yeah. we'll find one for you. Um, 
All right, next up, this one's specifically for you, Mark, and it is very direct, and it is from friend of the pod, Will Haskett, and he needs to know when you're going to make the transition from trick shots, which we saw and are very impressed, to mockumentary production. <laughs> I don't know. You got Inquiring minds must know, Mark. I will. I just do what I'm told, okay? <laughs> mockumentary, I didn't know there was such a thing. Maybe I'll find that on the YouTube Yep. I'll figure out how to do one of those. Um, so no, I'm, I'm not an expert at mockumentaries, but I have seen he's putting out some pretty entertaining stuff there on his social media feed. And But he's always been better than that, at the, that sort of stuff than I have. So I'll, I'll leave the mockumentaries to Will. Speaking of trick shots, Mark, uh, yeah. I saw you swing two clubs in two different directions, get four balls in the air. You can tell us now, how, how many takes How many takes it was that? Seriously, that was the first go. No. Uh, no, no. Well, I, I had a practice day the day okay. before, right? <laughs> so when you've got these clubs and you're swinging them in opposite directions, you've got to get the distance between your arms correct. And the first few times I beat two wedges against each other, it sounded like <laughs> a cannon shot going off. And, and then I've, I've actually got a takeaway on the practice day where I missed the first one. I topped the second one. The third one shot off the toe of the club. And my daughter at the time, Isabel, who was videoing this thing, just dove out of the way. So it was disastrous <laughs> for a while. So the practice day went badly, but thankfully on the first go, we got this right. I love it. Well, at least you didn't uh, put one through your window pane like I think I saw Thomas Bjorn do this morning. Yeah, did you catch, did that, you catch was, that? That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Trying to hit one from inside his little, uh, I don't know, what his little, little dining room outside and goes right through the window pane. Um, all right. How about this one? This is pretty cool. Russell. In NC, this is from Twitter. Greg, we'll start with you. Name the PGA Tour player that you would most want to caddy for. And here's the real kicker, the PGA Tour player you'd least like to caddy for. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I'll start with the player I'd like to I'd least like to caddy for. And again, these are this is much like the putting conversation. These are PGA Tour players. They're so fun to watch. I'd love to caddy for any of them for one round. Um but I'd like to keep that round during one day. So JB Holmes would be the guy that I would least like to caddy oh, for. Shots oh, shots fired. I love this. I love this. <laughs> this is so good. I so, thought you were going to be like, oh, they're all great. You know, I don't know who the least person. You're just like, JB Holmes. <laughs> and again, I mean, this is the this is the uh, the worst of the best. So it's not the worst place to be in there. Uh, JB Holmes will sorry. not be now, making an appearance on the new breed of golf anytime soon. I, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think you've burned that bridge now. Yeah, uh, I think that's toasted. So anyway, player I'd least, uh, I'd, I'd most want to caddy for comes from kind of a new breed of golf situation. We had the other day, um, we, we did this really cool thing and, and you'll get a chance to see it on Tuesday at seven on CBS sports network. It's called the course record special. And uh, Michael Breed, Webb Simpson, and Paul Tesori have a roundtable, and they discuss the relationship that Webb and Paul Tesori have, and a, a number of the uh, successes that they've had together as a group. And what I got from that interview and that that discussion was just the the relationship those guys have, but also the the kind of guy that Webb Simpson is, the kind of guy, the way that he treats his caddy. He gets he gets Paul involved in the moment. Um, he, but he doesn't hold it against him if he makes a mistake and they, they have this, this beautiful relationship. And I just, I'm such a big fan of Webb. I think he's such a cool guy. And if Paul was ever out 
sick for a round, I would gladly fill in for Webb Simpson. And again, it's not Tiger for me because I think that's just too much pressure. I, I just couldn't handle that. Yeah, I'm also thinking like who I want the guy who's like the least prepared. I don't want to have to carry around like three rain suits and sandwiches and like <laughs> these bags like are heavy now. enough. Uh-huh. I'm not a big guy. I got to walk around this. Like I want the least prepared guy. Some some kid just out of college probably was still with a stand bag. Let me get on that one. Yeah, uh, Ricky rocks the stand bag a bunch. There you go. That'll work. Uh, all right. How about this one, Kyle? Um, there is for my least. I'm just going to do this by what I know off social media, which if you see it on social media, it must be true. There is only one caddy who routinely gets a hashtag trending for him and it's hashtag pray for Ted Scott. And (laughs) I I think then I have to say, okay, the evidence might be leaning towards me not wanting to be on Bubba's bag. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, The problem that's what i was gonna say (laughs) the problem is there's probably worse ones that you could choose that make a lot less money and so at least with that you have a good steady pretty substantial income you know uh i was thinking so my my most is so i need a combination of biggest earner with also the least maintenance like, I don't want to do a lot. I just want to carry the bag. like me. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to be, I mean, I've already told wanna, you guys. You don't want to work, but you want to make all the money. This is like the American <laughs> dream. <laughs> yeah, so I'd be, I'd be, I'd be Harry Diamond. Oh, yeah. oh there you go. Harry, Harry Diamond made like more money than Jordan Spieth did last year, I think. Oh. For, for caddying for Rory. Up. I think he did. It was close. It was, it was, it was a lot depending on how you break it down. Yeah. Uh, not that he doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't do anything, but I want a guy like Rory or, or even somebody like DJ who just, they just own all their stuff. They're not like speed. Speed honestly would be hard because he's, he's always hollering and not, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but he's just always talking and, needing stuff and just you have, to, it, you have to keep the wet towel nearby and the dry towel nearby so when he backs <laughs> off he can wipe his hand a little bit you got to be constantly there that is a tough gig i would be exhausted <laughs> yeah. if i had to if i had to caddy for him so i need somebody who makes a lot of money and just completely owns every part of their game i think least like or uh, the one i would least want to caddy for is uh, probably bryson too much mm. too much math i do not need that i i do enough like homeschooling the kids right now you know four plus seven i, I don't need the, the <laughs> wind density and all that garbage atmospheric I, pressure yeah that would that's that's too much i'm not going to carry a water spritzer for your golf <laughs> <ball>. <laughs> uh, all right mark uh who, who are your least uh who would you most like to caddy for and who would you least like to caddy for I was thinking along Carl's lines, you know, I'm trying to do as little as possible and make as much money as I can. And Harry Diamond's job is a good call. I mean, when Rory got to number one, he and Harry went out for a fancy dinner with all the nice wine and stuff. And like, that's right up my alley. So (laughs) uh, I'll I'll get to my, who I'd like to work for, for second. But first I, I, I thought of the guys that are just difficult, you know, to deal with. But then I also thought, I want to make money if I'm caddying. I've caddied before and it's a difficult job. And the big deal is to have a guy that plays on the weekend and have yeah. a guy that plays a lot. And so with that, I, Brasson's going to play on the weekend a lot, but there's a bunch of calculation and a bunch of work 
and you have to own these decisions. And if something goes wrong, you're going to hear, you're going to hear from him about it. So there's high pressure there. But then I moved over to Louis Westhuizen, who has a rotation of two caddies on the bag, and he doesn't play that often. So that means you get limit, limited runs. Now, <laughs> I love Louis. He's a beautiful golfer whenever he plays he's in contention. But it would wind me up if the other dude was on the bag and Louis got himself a top three or something like that. So I'm going to have to say Louis, uh, who I wouldn't want to work for. And then guys I would want to work for, I'm wanting to rake as few bunkers as possible, go and walk into galleries and move fans as little as possible because that's a mission. And so I looked at some ball striking numbers. So I'm right now between Jim Furyk and Colin Morikawa. Okay. And I think I'm going to go with Morikawa because he makes all the cuts he plays in. He's always in contention and he's very accurate. So I'm going to go with Morikawa. And that's going to be a long time. And you could be his dad. (laughs) I could. You're right. I'm old enough. For, for uh, pro- producer Jacob wants to know what's the <laughs> what's the minimum amount of money I would take or any of us would take to be Bryson's spritzer guy at the 3M Open. <laughs> I mean, there's a price for everything. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I'm presuming my travel is paid for. Maybe Twitch is sponsoring me. I don't know. Uh, I would have to say like I don't know, two grand, twenty five hundred. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be out there spraying your bridge stones for like $800 for a week. Two gra- so two grand, you're basically making, what's that? 600 bucks a day. We will. Well, he's, yeah, he's got to get there Monday. That's a lot. No, I'm not. No, I'm not getting there Monday. I'm out. <laughs> well, that's when you're spritzing golf balls. It's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <laughs> if it's, if it's 2000, if it's 2000, we'll crowdsource it. We'll get you out there, bro. I got to see this happen. <laughs> We'll get it. We'll get it there. We'll get a live stream with Kyle and his little water bottle. (laughs) Kyle and Bryson live from the range, spritzing balls. (laughs) Golf balls, Kyle. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's move along here. So I actually like this question, Um, Greg. Wait, who are you? Who do you want to caddy for? uh, Who did I say? Whoever said, Ricky's good. Said, yeah. Someone, someone, I don't care who it is. They just got to be, have a light bag. They got to have a light bag and be easy. And who don't you want to caddy for? Uh, I don't want to caddy for Bubba. And I, cause it would say, cause I, there'd be hashtags that are pray for Rick Gaiman instead of. Oh, you mentioned <laughs> so, yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, Ricky's kind of low stress. Cause you don't, you don't really have a ton of 54 hole weeds. You're not really in it a ton. of. It's <laughs> 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 unbelievable. Uh, well, okay. We're going to get to one of your guys here right now. Um, so I, I like this. I like this question a lot, Greg, but unfortunately I think there's, and I, I don't even think Kyle can dispute this. There's really only one order to answer this in. So the question also from Russell is, uh, the three guys that are one major away from their career Grand Slam are Phil, Rory, and Jordan Spieth. Rate their level of likelihood from one to three. Unfortunately, Greg, like I love, I love this concept. It's it's Rory, Jordan, Phil, right? Like there's only one way. Yes, to yes, it's Rory, Jordan, Phil. You know, it's interesting. I I would almost throw um, some guys that have less than three majors in ahead of Jordan and Phil. Like Brooks Kepka to me is more likely to get the career grand slam than wow. Jordan. Although the one thing I'll say about Jordan is he came in third in the PGA last year uh, at Beth page black, which she can't go unnoticed. So I, I do, I think Jordan has a really, really good likelihood, but uh, uh, the Augusta national and the masters for Rory McIlroy fits him so well. You just, it's hard to imagine him not breaking through sometime soon. And it's probably in one of these next two. 
Rory's going to be like 55 and we're going to be like, I think this is the year guys. I think he's going to win the <laughs> masters this year. You right, feel okay. about takes today, aren't you Kyle? <laughs> yeah. He's spicy right now. Kyle, how many, how many more masters does Rory have like that he could legitimately win? Like, 12? well, so, so, uh, so the all time record for most played in before winning is Sergio at 19. Okay. So he put he won on his 19th try. Nobody's ever done it on 18, 17, 16. There was a couple guys that did it. Adam Scott might have been 14 or 15, something like that. Rory's at like 12 or 13, I think. Uh, he might not be that high. It might be 11 or 12. So you start to get into this range of like where it has literally never happened or only happened one time before. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's 12. I think it's like, what is he? He'll be 30 what one this year 32 31 I, I think it's like seven more six more something like okay. that so like even, like real like legit this right. is it type chances well even if it's seven or eight or six or five or four no okay so and he's like five percent to win each one which he's gonna be more than that like he becomes a coin flip to do this eventually right like just because of how many more chances he's gonna get at it's like 50 50 proposition I would look, look, if I might, I, I hear Carl's point, but I, I think he's got injury. Look, injury is always a thing for me. And my wish for these players is you go injury free. Um, but look, Tiger just won at 42 and he's dealt with a ton more injuries than Rory did. And he's a generational sort and McElroy is too. And so I'm giving McElroy at least another 12, you know, because he's going to play into his mid forties and be competitive into his mid forties. He's a young 30 to me. You know, he's chronologically, he's 30 years old, but he's young and he's young at heart. And so I think there's many more masters in front. Let's go back to Greg on this one, because this is, I think, something we talked about. Uh, maybe it was a couple. I don't know. Time, time is a flat circle these days. But uh, John Murray on Twitter asks, what makes the top 10 players in the world better than the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour? And what makes the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour better than regular kind of scratch players? And, and which, which margin is, is bigger? It's a great question. First of all, the margin between a Corn Ferry Tour player and a Scratch player is significantly bigger than a Corn Ferry Tour player uh, and, and a uh, top 10 official world golf ranking player. I, I believe, when I've seen this with my own eyes in a, in a regular round, not necessarily a tournament round, a guy on the Corn Ferry Tour can be more impressive than a, a player on the PGA Tour. I'll give you an example. Um, I played in, I, I played when I, when I worked at uh, medalist golf club, I played as a marker in the member member one year and, uh, one round I played with a member and Bud Colley and we went out and played and Bud was phenomenal. He played uh, honestly, some of the most boring golf I've ever seen. And it ends up being 68 and I'm, I'm playing with, I feel like I can, I feel like I could play with Bud Colley at this point when I'm during the round and then we get done and it, the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour, a hard golf course. He shoots 68. I shoot 77 and he beats me by like nine shots. And I start thinking, stretch that over four rounds, stretch that over a season. And I felt like I played pretty good. I, it's nowhere. It's such a different league. And then the very next day I played with a guy by the name of, um, Brad Tilly, who's a very good player in the amateur region. And basically Brad tried to play professionally for like eight years. And then eventually he stopped and 
he got a job working somewhere else and, and he hadn't played in like five weeks. And we went out on, on the golf course and on the back nine, he lipped out for birdie on 10, made birdie on 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And on 18, he had 12 feet for birdie and missed. He shot 29 on the back nine. And it was another one of those where you, you wake up and it's 29. You almost don't realize it because there's a drive, there's a par five and then a drivable par four. And he just kind of keeps chipping away again, winds blowing 20 miles an hour, blah, blah, blah. And his partner is another guy who was trying to play for years on the PGA tour, couldn't make it. And he's hitting the ball ridiculous distances. I mean, this guy is the most impressive player I've ever played with. He's 233 yards out with in a slightly into left to right wind. And he's saying to, he's saying to Brad, I think I got to hit the four because the five's just not going to get there. And I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, are, are you kidding me? And so these guys are just so good. What's the difference? It To me, I do think there's a little difference in short game and putting, but the ultimate difference is what Mark said earlier. And it's about timely. When when can you play well? They they all have their, – their good golf is all, I believe, very comparable. Extremely good, extremely high end. But when do you play your best golf? And also, when you don't play your best golf, what does that look like? And that's the biggest separator. How, how good's your bad shot? How good's your bad round? A guy like Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, they're bad rounds. And Phil a little bit more earlier in his career. But their bad rounds are really good scores. And to me, that's the biggest difference. You know what? Your point is so well taken. And, and Webb yeah. Simpson, you talked about caddying for him. Webb mentioned to me, and he said so at the Players' Championship, um, the question was pitched to him, so what is the difference now between you being sort of one of those guys on the PGA Tour, now one of the top 10 golfers in the world, the guys contending in big tournaments? And he's like, my bad day is just better. He goes, I'm turning the 74 into 71. I'm turning the 77 into 72. And, and, and that keeps me in events. Because 72 holes is a long time. And, and to add to what your points are, they're so well taken. I, I think the difference between the golfer aspiring to be on the tour and then the, the, the Corn Ferry Tour aspiring to be at the next level is just playing well over a long period of time as well. You know, everyone, and that's the first question I get. Some kid goes out at his home course and shoots like 65 and everyone around him has got stars in the eyes. You know, this is the next superstar. And I'm like, yeah, go and do that four times in a row on a place you haven't seen uh, under some pressure. And then we'll talk a little bit. So it's the ability to your point to make bad days decent and, and just do it for, you know, long stretches of time. What if that person goes out and shoots 61 on their home course and their home course is Royal Portrush? Does that change your opinion? <laughs> well, no, that's pretty solid. But, but again, I... I I hate to point this out, but there are a number of guys that will shoot low score and and then miss a cut. I, I've seen this time and time again, time and time again on the tour. You, you you got to play well enough for two rounds to get yourself in the weekend, and then you've got to accelerate. That's basically how golf goes. Oftentimes, you look at leaderboards. The guys who jump out to the early leads, they're the guys who sort of disappear on the weekend. The weekend, you'll see the usual suspects who've been cruising along for most of the tournament, can't lay the sort of crowd, and then they start showing up when Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon starts rolling around. So yeah, 61 around there is fantastic. But, that, was but, a Rory, that was a Rory reference. Yeah, no, I know. I, okay. I was humoring you for a while, but I was telling you. I, uh, 
I think I think Greg's point is really good, and I think it's I think it speaks to why it's so impressive. I mean, Tigers. We talked about this on Tuesday with um, with J Ray Mark of of Tiger being sixty or uh, number one in the world for six hundred and eighty three weeks. That's a joke. Like that is that is a joke to there be that <laughs> to be that good to be that much better than the, all these guys. When when the margin to Greg's point, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that much. It's not that much, but sometimes it is when you've got a guy like Tiger when you have a guy like Rory, when you have a guy like John Rahm. And I think that's what I think people don't understand, like don't completely understand how good those guys are. I, I, I want to say um, between the corn ferry tour and the top 10, it, it's, it's not just a hop, skip and a jump. I mean, there's a pretty big chasm between those two levels of play, but to what Greg said about, the amateur, the good amateur golf in the Corn Ferry Tour, that's a pretty big leap over there. But I got to tell you, the 100th player in the world versus a top 10 guy, there's, they might not be a better hitter or, or they, 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 they might not jump out and grab you. But those top 10 guys, they, they just do everything well and they really don't have much of a weakness. Real quick, I want everybody to guess who the 100th ranked player in the world is right oh. now. I, have, I love playing this game. I have no idea. I'm going to say Scott Stallings. You always say Scott Stallings. Uh, I do, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this 100th is so player good. in the world. Lucas right, Beregard. So, oh, that's not bad either. Um, I'm trying to think like of benchmark. So if Morikawa is 44, Scheffler's probably like 60 something. Um, I'm going to go with. Oh, he's probably too good. Keegan's way too good for that. Um, Greg, do you have one? Uh, JT Poston. He, I that's think he's bad. inside of that. I'm gonna uh, go with. I'm gonna go with. This is so hard. Um, Danny Lee. Mark. Uh, Beregard, but I think that's. Uh, the, I think he's lower than that. It's Ooh. Scott Piercy. How were our guesses? <laughs> uh, so Stallings Posten, is three. seventy six. Yeah, Stallings is three hundred sixteen. Nice <laughs> guess, Kyle. Uh, Beregard. Who, who did you say? Beregard and Danny Lee. Danny Lee. Uh, Lee Westwood's 31. Danny Lee's 88. That was Ooh, pretty good. Closest yeah. without going over? Yeah. Price and right rules? Yeah. yeah uh, and then Lucas, Lucas Beauregard is 119. So you guys, Ooh, that was both. That was I wasn't even close. I'm, I need to get Scott Stallings out of my head. I think. <laughs> you need a new default answer. Yeah, your new default answer needs to be Scott Piercy, your 100th player. <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen. Well, that's going to do it for our uh, – uh, you know, our pre-set questions, but I'll, I'll do this one time. I'm going to open the floor up. Anybody have anything else, any hot takes they want to fire off before we get out of here? Greg is, Greg seems like he has something. He's giving have you guys, heard, have you guys already heard my hottest take? Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> please go uh, ahead. Chick-fil-A is overrated. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wait, uh, wait a second for the other two guys, not named Kyle. Did you hear this guy? say that Jordan Spieth was better than Bobby Jones on our podcast the other day? Yes. I'm okay, still yes. cringing. Uh, That's I actually hate to say that. You're barking up the wrong tree for support from me on this one. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, look, go in the John Deere, Bobby. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's mostly just the technology and like a, a time, time difference. It's such thing. a different Not game. I mean, yeah. Jordan Spieth, could, uh, could Jordan Spieth go play with the mashy Niblick and get around <laughs> the golf course like Bobby Jones? I, don't, I, I highly doubt it. So we, we had this Bobby great. In this era? I, I don't know either. <laughs> 
You guys we need this... to get back to Twitch or whatever you do, please. We... <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Probably true. We had a great question. This was last year at the US Open at, at Pebble. It was Sean Zock of golf.com. And he said, how, how, how far back, like, or how far forward, if you started when, when golf majors started and you took modern day technology, like you took like the clubs that you have and the ball that you have and the strength that you have, how many majors would you win as yourself going for, like for how long would you just win every major because of the equipment that you had until you started losing majors? So I can go back in time and pick a date to start. Yeah. So if you go back to 1860 or whatever the, the f first open championship was when one of the Toms won, and you took your, you know, Callaway driver and your Titleist irons and you got to, the, to play the open, the 12-hole open, you would win, right? Uh, I don't think yeah, I would, but I, I, think think the, so. I think you guys would, yeah. <laughs> Not so sure. I mean, these guys weren't playing on the pure greens you guys are used to as well. I mean, con conditions are wildly different. And by conditions the way, I mean, I mean... Very tough. I mean, uh, very tough. Very tough. Very, very tough. <laughs> hey, I meant to mention, I looked it up, um, Rory's played nine masters. So to your calculations, he's got a few more. That's it. it That's it. Really? 2010 well, he, was his first one. Well, that would okay. be. Okay. So his second in Rory's second masters, he had that lead. He had that lead. He had that hair. That was pretty, he was yeah. pretty young. It might he, was still wearing oakly, he was wearing Oakley gear. I remember that. <laughs> That's how we can date him. Yeah. Well, I'm glad anyway, I opened the floor. Can't be far off. <laughs> anyway, to the question, going back for, from the Sean Zuck's question, that's a great question, but times change. You know, you've got to get yourself to the majors. Bob Jones had to catch a steamboat to get over to play in the Open in the British Amateur. It's, it's not all the same. I'll leave you with that, the old guy. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. So yeah. coming up, coming up, we're going to have some sweet, sweet Scottsdale open action, mini tour golf, Joel Damon, maybe Pat Perez, who knows? I'll see when this field gets uh, finalized. Also, we're keeping tabs on Tiger versus Phil. Uh, and also Peyton and Tom Brady. We're waiting for Kyle Porter to break news on CBSSports.com so we know it's all official. And don't forget, it's 2020. Listen to the First Cut Golf Podcast on your smart speaker. Anytime you want, you can hear these sweet, sweet uh, vocals coming across your smart speaker. But for this episode, I want to thank Mark Immelman. It's at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Producer Jacob behind this camera. I'm at Rick Rungood. Catch you next time. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.